In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. St. John takes us back to the beginning. Back to when there was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. The Word brought all things into being. In him was life, and the light was the light of man. Man was formed from the ground. The word breathed into man's nostrils the breath of life, and man became a living being. The word often showed himself to his father's people as light. The Israelites saw the word as a pillar of cloud by day and a pillar of fire by night as he led them from Egypt to the promised land. Along the way, it was time to build a temporary home for the dwelling place of God among his people. Our Heavenly Father gave Moses specific instructions on how and what to use in building the tabernacle. Then came the day that the tabernacle was completed and the Lord visited his people. As we heard today in the Old Testament reading, the cloud covered the tent of meeting and the glory of the Lord filled the tabernacle. For the cloud of the Lord was on the tabernacle by day and fire was in it by night in the sight of all the house of Israel throughout all their journeys. Many years later, the word came to rest in the temple that Solomon built as the abiding presence of God among his people. The priests brought the Ark of the Covenant that once rested in the tabernacle into the most holy place in the temple. When the priests came out of the holy place, a cloud filled the house of the Lord so that the priests could not stand to minister because of the cloud. For the glory of the Lord filled the house of the Lord. The word, the light, remained in the temple in spite of the Israelites' constant flirtation with false gods. God's chosen people cheated on him as they bowed the knee to their affluence, their prestige, their pride, their egos, and everything else that made them look as if God had not set them apart from other nations as his own. The prophet Ezekiel received a vision from the Lord that showed him what was going to happen because of the Israelites' infidelity. Then the glory of the Lord went out from the threshold of the house, says Ezekiel, and stood over the cherubim. And the cherubim lifted up their wings and mounted up from the earth before my eyes as they went out with the wheels beside them. And they stood at the entrance of the east gate of the house of the Lord, and the glory of the God of Israel was over them. The Israelites went from the realms of glory among earthly nations through a split into two nations, the northern tribes conquered by the Assyrians. The light faded into obscurity among them. The southern tribe of Judah was conquered by the Babylonians and taken into exile. 
Jerusalem was left in ruins. Ezekiel then asked the Lord God, Will you make a full end of the remnant of Israel? The Lord God responded, I will gather you from the peoples and assemble you out of the countries where you have been scattered, and I will give you the land of Israel. And when they come there, they will remove from it all its detestable things and all its abominations. And I will give them one heart and a new spirit I will put within them. I will remove the heart of stone from their flesh and give them a heart of flesh that they may walk in my statutes and keep my just decrees and obey them. And they shall be my people, and I will be their God. The light is almost dimmed, but still flickers among the tribe of Judah. Judah returned to the promised land. Rebuilt Jerusalem, rebuilt the temple, and they waited, and they waited, and they waited some more. They waited for the promise of the Messiah to be fulfilled. And along the way, even more forgot the promise over time. Ultimately, they were conquered, first by the Greeks under Alexander the Great, and ultimately the Greeks were conquered by the Roman Empire. A puppet king was placed over them. When the light seemed to have been all but extinguished, when half spent was the night, or so it seemed, the Lord's timing became full, full for the light of the world to come among his people. And God's timing is always the best timing. The prophet Zechariah looked forward to that day. Not merely Jews would welcome the word when he comes to his people Zechariah says, Many nations shall join themselves to the Lord in that day and shall be my people. And I will dwell in your midst, and you shall know that the Lord of hosts has sent me to you. St. John summarizes it all when he says he came to his own, and his own people did not receive him. We get really uptight about this every year about this time, and we'll get uptight about it again at the end of March. We will tut-tut, we will shake our heads, and we will sigh deeply and say, boy, it sure seems as if more and more people refuse to receive him. And we will act as if this is something new, something that's happened in my lifetime, in your lifetime. Beloved, this is as old as the creation. He came to his own, and his own people did not receive him. He was not the Messiah they were looking for. 
And for us, even you and me, there are times when Jesus is not the Messiah we are looking for. John doesn't end it there, though. But to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God, who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. There will always be a remnant. That's what was left of God's people when our Heavenly Father determined the time was ripe for His Son to enter the world. We would have expected it to happen when the Israelites were at the height of their powers. When the temple had been built. When Solomon, the wisest man who ever lived or who ever will live, was in the height of his authority, even with all of his wives and concubines. Now should be the time when Messiah comes, when we've got everything on a string. No. Only when things look the bleakest, when it seems as if all hope is lost and everything must be abandoned and we must find our own way. That's when Messiah comes. And the word became flesh and dwelt among us. He tabernacled. He pitched his tent among us. No longer in a shiny temple. But in a stable. In a feeding trough. And we have seen his glory. Glory is of the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. It's not much to look at. A kid laying in hay in a feeding trough in a barn. Surrounded by shepherds, proclaimed by angels, and witnessed to by a great star. There was a great star because people from afar saw it and they came to find the king of Judea. Beloved, light has come. The word becomes flesh. The promise is fulfilled today. The hope and fears of all the years we sing in the Christmas carol are met in Jesus Emmanuel, son of Mary, promised to Joseph. The witness of John the Baptist is true. This was he of whom I said, he who comes after me ranks before me because he was before me. John was not that light. John the Baptist pointed to the light as a witness of the light. This is the mystery of Christmas in two ways. It is a mystery that cannot be understood. 
It is a mystery that is only believed. Now there is a question about the mystery. How can someone eternal, someone begotten of his father before there was the heavens and the earth, someone prophesied for millennia, someone seen in pre-incarnate ways by Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and Moses, and many others, how can he be born as a human being implanted by the power of the word through the Holy Spirit into the womb of a virgin whose betrothed is of the house and lineage of David? Now perhaps we get a look at why he came unto his own and his own did not receive him. If it were written in a book outside of Holy Scripture, you'd find it in the science fiction and fantasy place in half-price books. It's the craziest thing you've ever heard in your life. And yet we believe it. We pin our hope on it. Our sure and certain hope. Christ the Savior pitches his tent among us for me. Christ the Savior is born to die for my sins and be raised for my justification. There is an old ancient, for lack of a better term, myth that says it was the same wood in the manger that formed the cross that Jesus lay on. It's pious, it's nice, doubtful it's true, but it gives us something to think about now, doesn't it? Christ the Savior's heel is bruised for me. Christ the Savior stomps the head of the serpent for me. The word becomes flesh for me. The light of the world shines on me. He is mine and I am his. He lives. I live. He fills me with his grace and truth. He glorifies me with his glory that shines above all men. He prepares a place for me in the kingdom of heaven where I will live with him forever. All of this for you, for me. Because the word was there in the beginning. And the word desires to be in communion with his people. Let us adore the word made flesh today. As he dwells among us. Sure would be nice to have the actual thing in front of us. In a manger, we can find hay or straw, and he could lay there. And we'd be quite the tourist attraction. We have him here today, present in his holy word, present under bread and wine, his precious body and blood for you. Jesus is here. In spite of what everyone says, in spite of common knowledge or so it seems, the word still shines. The light has not been extinguished.
and no one can take our joy. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. The peace of God, which passes all understanding, keep your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus.